It's January, so you know what that means. The silver screen dudes love to honor their fans because we take off the J and we swap it for an F. It's January time, guys. Happy 2024. Yeah, happy 2024 indeed. This one's for Frank Torres, who's given us a horrible task, and I kind of wonder just why we do this when people give us such difficult jobs. Hey, Screeners, how you doing? It's me, the one AJ Anthony Jordan, saying that for the first time on a movie Mount Rushmore this year. Season seven, baby. We're back once again like a renegade master. It's 2024. I'm Nico Leroux. So happy to keep doing this with you, AJ. Yeah, bro. It's the only way it had to be done. It's the only way it had to be done. Okay, guys. So we said it already. We're not going to waste too much time, but it's February. If you are joining us for the first time, what we like to do as the Silver Screen Dudes, um, even from when we were silver screen dudes now, the silver screen dudes, we like to take a time to honour those who honour us. You know, you guys have stuck with us throughout the time and we just put it out there. What topic would you like us to do as a top 10? And, you know, for the past few years, you guys have represented and come up with some really good topics. Tough topics, Frank, but good topics all the less. Nonetheless, so that's the one. This is, well, we're going to do it as the, and this is, this topic is, We'll hit that in a second. So before we find out what the topic is, Nico, would you like to tell everyone what the movie Mount Rushmore is all about? Yeah, it's in season seven. Basically, it is a top ten show between two best friends going way back to school. And we old guys now, so we've been friends a long time. This is how the show works. We get assigned a topic this week by Frank Torres. We go our separate ways, compile our individual lists, and then come right back here and record our individual top tens for you both this week aj will go first delivering his bottom three i will then deliver my bottom three aj will deliver his next two i will deliver my next two and then when we get to our top five we will trade one apiece if at any time while we are rounding off our movies one person has a movie in a high position that person will say punt and we will punt and talk about that movie once we get to the high position once we have both rounded off our individual top 10 movies we will create in the voice of the daily departed matthew perry in the voice of chandler bing the movie Mount Rushmore. These are the four quintessential diverse must-see movies of the genre, which this week is... Top 10 movies of 1999. Now, small caveat, guys. On my end, they are the films released in the UK in 1999. There were a lot of films that have come out, but sadly they hit us in 2000 or maybe. Yeah, never before, really. So, yeah, um, some of them were in 2000, so that you might be like, but what about and sadly, I had to make, couldn't make my list because I kept it UK. Just kind of like when we do our expectation films of the year, you know? Um, we're like, oh, I can't do that. It comes out later for us, or it came out early for us. Yeah. And that's the way it goes. Uh, I've um, gone down a different route. I have gone down the uh, domestic, what they call domestic box office, which is always the US release route. So that's true. I've gone down. We do have to bring it back to some polls from the last episode of last season, AJ, oh. we have two. We have two. Oh, we have two polls. Okay, guys. So this is what I wanted to make sure. But before, well, it was on the caveat moment. I should have kept it for starting. But it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. There you go, Frank. That's another one for you. You know what I'm talking about. I've seen raw. Okay. Now, here we go. We, the Silver Screen Dudes, have the challenge of creating the top 
10 must-see movies and breaking it down into four. The movie Mount Rushmore, but it gets laser-focused for you guys. You have to try on El Capitan. Oh, that works this week. Um, El Capitan, El Numero Uno, the best of the best of the best, sir, with honours. And to quote Highlander, in the end, there can be only one. And how do you crowd that one? You head on over to X and you head on over to at Movie MT Rushmore, the official X page of the silver screen dudes. But more importantly, the person we retweet, good old JT at Movie Polls for You. Yes, that's the one you have to do because that's who we retweet. So you only get to vote once and that's where you get to crown the winner. For our topic number one, which was? Uh, the top 10 movies of 2023. Okay, and our contenders were? Dumb Money, Air, The Whale, and Saltburn. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. Depending on the timing, Saltburn could be very, very hard one to, to try and guess from your point. This Saltburn also made it to Amazon in good time. Okay, I'm gonna go for Air at number four. Nope. All right, just because of the late release, Saltburn? Nope. Dumb Money. Yeah. And Dumb Money got hurt, bro. 7%. It's not fair. I Someone put that solely down to people not having seen it. Right. So we've got Saltburn. We've got Aaron. What was the other contender? The Whale. The Whale. This is quite close between these three. Not, not one of the closest we've had, but quite close. Do you know the weird thing about it? No matter which way, Amazon wins. <laughs> okay. Um air at number three. Nope. Saltburn. Uh yes. Saltburn at three with twenty-four percent, which made me happy that it got that many votes, I have to say. Nice, 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 nice. It has to be I I don't want to keep crapping on air, but I know the whale is number one. So yeah, no. air at number two. No way! Yeah. Pick up MJ. My surname for the win. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the whale came in at number two with 31%. Air took it with 38%. People love this movie. Rightfully so. I remember coming out really, really happy with that film. I was like, this, there's a bit of magic in that film. Nice. So that was a film. And our second poll was the best blockbuster movies of 2023. Oh, yes, of course, yes, I forgot we'd done that. And our contenders were, again, <laughs> Oppenheimer, Barbie, Super Mario, and Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Okay. I think people were realistic on this, even though it was the box office smash and on Silver Screen News, week in, week out, and week in, week out again. Barbie took the fourth place. Damn. Across the Spider-Verse. Nope. Mario. Yeah. Wow. It's like, what the hell? Oh, by the way, wow. Mario, Mario got Donkey Kong butt slammed. 9%. Mm. Wow. And the, the, the funny thing is, Mario made dumb money, guys, so I don't know how these two <laughs> But yeah, okay. Okay. One billion, one billion Mario. Oh, I'm going to try it one more time, and then I'm not going to crap on her. Barbie at number three. Yes. 
Barbie came in at three with 13%. Across the Spider-Verse 2. Across the Spider-Verse 2 with 23%. Oppenheimer steamrolled people, mate. 55%. Ooh. Ooh. Best director of the 21st century. There we go. Literally that. There There we go. That's it. AJ, your list. Right, here we go. Okay, guys, this is from a UK standpoint. So there were a few films that Nico made and I'd be like, oh, I wanted to, but I couldn't. Okay, I know there's one of them that really hurt me. Anyway, it was like number two. Anyway, here we go. In at number 10 for me, The Sixth Sense. All you, brother. Now, I had a thing. I mean, obviously, you've got a wider scope to play with as well. Um, but what hits me with The Sixth Sense, did I enjoy The Sixth Sense? Yes. However... The Sixth Sense was ruined for me way before seeing the film. And that's what hurts. I think it was a very good narrative and it became a pop culture line. You know, Um, I can say it now. In trying to avoid spoilers, I see dead people. It's so in pop culture legacy that you may not know it's from this film, but I'm telling you now, it's that. And when that spoiler was revealed, you've got this troubled child who is seeing a psychiatrist played by Hayley Joe Otsman and he's seeing a psychiatrist played by Bruce Willis who I hate to see now. Like I, I, I'm happy to still see him on earth but so sad to see where Bruce is at right now man it really yeah. re- it's heartwarming to see him still smiling and stuff but to be like one of our greats um, yeah it, it was just spoiled for me like I'm following the narrative but one thing I hate about spoilers especially to that degree when everyone's like oh you're going to love it because of this is all I can do is sit watching the film, waiting for it to happen. And that's exactly what happened with this. How and what and what, I mean, you can fill in the dots, but I won't go into that level of of, of spoiler territory if you can't figure it out. But that's what killed it for me. But I'm not always one to wave the M. Night Shyamalan um, flag, even though I do like the split trilogy. Oh. Unbreakable trilogy. This is one that I will give him his respect for. I do feel like it was a good film, just spoiled for me, so it can never rank high. Yeah, but that's it. You know, I was so late to the party on this that the 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 whole thing that the movie's centered around, which is the the epic twist. I believe if I'd gone in there not knowing what that twist was, it would have made me go, What? Yeah. But I never got to experience that. So the movie has never registered for me as a result. What's your number nine? In at number nine is a comedy that I don't always get to show enough love to. But when I saw it, I was like, hey, cool. And it's a guy I don't normally give a lot of props to either. This is Martin Lawrence. Blue Streak. But yeah, okay. And it yeah. will I'll say this in the coming weeks. <laughs> I love this film. <laughs> like I've had a lot of fun with Blue Streak and Martin Lawrence with the highest love of respect. I know there are people who love him and they've done the whole big, big mama's house is not for me. None of them, not mm. one to whatever number we're up to now. Um, Martin, the TV show, wasn't a fan of it either. However, I appreciate him, but he's always the backup dancer. Whether it be Bad Boys, whether it be Life, whether it be anything else, it's when he's the, he's the second. He's never the lead to me. This That's one, true. this one, he, he he was he was he's the main. Um, Luke Wilson's in it, which 
It's weird. You don't see much of Luke. You see Orin pop up, but where's Luke gone? Really? Luke's one of Wes Anderson's muses. If you watch, yeah, in, in that fairness, yeah, that, that's where you find him. He's in the more art housey way. So in the major like blockbuster film realm, you don't see him much. But they had some interesting chemistry. You've got Martin Lawrence as this this crook who's stolen the diamond and hides it in in, in a place that's being con- that's under construction, and he, he he gets caught by the police, but obviously they don't find the diamond. And he, he does his time and he goes back to get said diamond from the construction site. Guess what? It's a police station. <laughs> the absolute <laughs> worst place for a diamond to be held and, yeah, and to be stolen from. And chaos ensues. So now he has to go in there and now he's pretending to be a cop and he has to befriend people, but he's still a crook at heart. And then does he slightly get swayed? Of course he does. There's enough. You can see where the picture goes, but you can't picture the comedy that comes from it. As I said, wasn't ever really excited by Blue Street because I never get excited by Martin Lawrence to that degree. I was pleasantly surprised with this film. I had a good It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I won't hear otherwise. It's a real hidden gem of a movie it's fantastic and you mentioned when he finds out that it's a police station it's <laughs> it's that little dance oh oh no no <laughs> yeah. yeah but look the whole movie's full of laughs man it's really really good and the fact that he can think like a criminal which actually in adversity makes him a better cop that whole thing with dave chappelle in the alley is really good like there's there's a lot a lot of laughs to be had here. Do that thing where you pull the guts out the ass, like <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's good comedy. What's yeah. your number eight? In at number eight, we continue in the world of comedy. <sighs> Perfect film, terrible sequel. We're talking Billy Crystal, Robert De Niro. Ah. Analyze this. Also, my number eight. Hey, 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 hey. Um. I, I this this was before Meet the Parents, wasn't it? If yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Look, we all know Robert De Niro as the bad guy, the gangster. You know, we've seen him do it a hundred times over. You know, he's the taxi driver. You don't mess with Robert De Niro. That's always been the shtick. And now he's in that role, but in comedy. And you're like, what? what's going on? And again, it was just pure gold what comes out of this you've got robert de niro who can't be as gangster as he wants to be and now has to go and see a shrink but while seeing a shrink isn't prepared to be a shrink because it, it, it it's, it's it's against his machismo if you would so he's there but he's reluctant to do it but he's trying to find the answers and that with billy crystal who's just uh, just a shrink who's not really ready to be entered into the um into the the criminal underworld but can't deny his client is is there and fears to decline his client at the same time you know from that uh, and some of the lines that come out of that is absolutely amazing what i i'm not even going to say lines because i don't for anyone who's not seen it it would be a, a a disservice to put some lines in there but there are parts where you you find that actually it's in the trailer you, you hear stuff where the man has a wife and a mistress and he's like <laughs> Turn him my <laughs> she kisses my kids goodnight but does left are you crazy yeah. <laughs> Which makes and, sense. <laughs> there we are but it's it, it there is so much from that and they both learn from each other there is a part that i will not spoil but billy crystal near the end of the film <laughs> love it <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah I, when I he becomes the doctor <laughs> yeah exactly 
I'm a wow. fud slappy the seal. It's so good. <laughs> but so this, much yeah, and that's the thing. I think about that movie. There are so many scenes in it that just bring a smile to my face. The explanation of uh, you know, why why he di- why he has a mistress and uh and a wife. That scene when he's with his mistress and she's like, Are you thinking about your wife? Can I just do this? Oh, God damn it, now I am thinking about my wife. <laughs> one of the other good ones where he's like, hey, Doc, Doc, uh, last night I had this dream and I was feeding a baby a bottle. I go to the fridge and the bottle's black. What does that mean? I don't know. What does that mean to you? What am I paying you for? To say the same stuff back at me? I can get Jolly to do that for free. Jolly, come here. <laughs> he's, he's doubled down on his kind of you know, Goodfellas, Jimmy Conway-esque gangster mannerisms. Yeah. And he's done a little comedy spin on this. Don't get me wrong. He's still gangster in this. You know, that scene where Billy says to him, like, you know when I'm feeling angry? I just hit the pillow. Hit the pillow. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> you better? Actually, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> he's got that gear where you yeah. can still see he's unhinged, but he's also kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason it works oh yeah love it absolutely love analyze this superb film an underrated comedy i think analyze that killed the, the the pleasures of analyze this is so unfortunate analyze that was terrible yeah. um mine mine is the outtakes of analyze that which are superb uh, that you remember what you out bro watched them on YouTube. The outtakes are so freaking funny. I'm like, why wasn't that in the movie? In the film. Um, but no, that they, they, that scene and analyzed that where Billy Crystal's called into the into the ward and De Niro's all catatonic. In the movie, it's De Niro being straight faced and just going woo 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 in front of uh, in front of De Niro's face. Right. The outtakes is De Niro cracking each time he does that. And bro, it's infectious. It's him going, <laughs> you know, just not being able to keep a straight face. And you can tell each time they're retaking, Crystal's messing with him that much that more. more. <laughs> it's genius. It's genius. But yeah, that that was yeah. To say the outtakes are the best part of a comedy, not a good thing. That's sad. That is sad. It is sad. Um, so that was your ten nine eight, right? My ten. Um. I'm I'm a big Kevin Smith guy, and there's a lot of Kevin Smith movies to choose from. And even in this year, there was like, oh, there was one or two I could have pulled. But inadvertently, I think his greatest achievement is my number 10, and that's Dogma. I absolutely love this movie. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Linda Fiorentino, Salma Hayek, Jason Lee, Jason Mewes, Alan Rickman, and Chris Rock, RIP to Alan Rickman. Um, but dude, the story of, of two angels, Bartleby and Loki, played by Damon and Affleck, who are trying to find their way back into heaven because they've been cast out and they get they, 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 everything from a Golgothan poo demon. I can't say the S-bomb, obviously. A Golgothan poo demon. Beelzebub helping them out. Like, you don't need to be down with religion, which I am not, to get the religious references in here. Chris Rock playing the 13th Apostle, right? And when they ask him, I only know of 12 apostles. Well, yeah, Jesus had 13 apostles, but you don't know why they didn't bring me in? Because I'm a black man. (laughs) (laughs) It's one thing 
after another. They just kind of constantly keep raising the stakes. And it's got that brilliant, brilliant quasi-dialogue that very few outside of the realm of Kevin Smith, Guy Ritchie and Tarantino can do really well. Kevin Smith really is a brilliant writer of dialogue, of doing that meta dialogue where you're like, these characters feel real, but they also feel like caricatures. He balances that so well. And the fact that God is played by my girl, Alanis Morissette, I'm like, yes, everything about that is correct. Everything about that is correct. Um, yeah, just I love this movie start to finish it is an amazing ride angels want to get back into heaven here's people who need to stop angels going into heaven because it would defy the word of god and i say this as an atheist right you don't need to be down with religion to adore this movie i need to get in i i appreciate kevin smith for who he is i've not seen a lot of kevin smith and i must admit and this i know this is sacrilege i tried clerks couldn't get into it and now probably what? Get, wrong headspace. Do it again. You were in the wrong headspace. There's no way you can like Pulp Fiction and not like Clerks. They're literally like Clerks is like a scene from Pulp Fiction. It's like if Jules and if Jules and Vincent went to a went to a corner shop. That's literally Clerks. Oh, it, the, it, the dialogue is so brilliant and quick witted and quick fire. There's, as someone who likes Tarantino, rewatch Clerks. There's no way you can't get into it. Cool. Um, not all of his stuff is great, but even the stuff that's not great is still funny. Like Jane Silent Bob Strike Back is a tremendous piece of garbage, but I adore it. Cool. I will. I, I, I want to give him. I, I want to give him a shot. I, I like. I like. Rats. And you know him and Stan Lee were like bosom uh, Yeah, brothers. listen, I know that. I know the involvement he's had with comic books, his DC involvement. I know his daughter's name. Like, I, I know how deep he is, and that's why I've got nothing but love for Kev. Just a deep, movie, bro. And his movies are good. Chasing Amy is arguably his best written. Dogma is my personal favorite. Um, yeah, but More Rats is great. Chasing Amy's great. Clerks 1 and 2 are great. And I know I'm forgetting some absolute bangers from him for my sins. Get into Kevin Smith, bro. He's he's tops. He's really, really good. Nine, I have a feeling we're either going to say punt or it didn't get the UK release based on your list being UK. But my number nine, what a movie that brings us close all the time is American Pie. Punt. Okay. And my number eight was analyze this. So you're number seven. Okay. Um, funny how the bottom end of my list is kind of comedy. And it's not for anything against someone. Just see the way this film lands, really. Um, this one had a UK release and is set in the UK. We are talking about the bumbling Britishman himself, Hugh Grant, yeah. and the amazing start that that is Julia Roberts in Notting Hill. Great film, yeah. Um, it's one of those films that I've it's just sweet, it is just yeah. literally sweet, it is, it's just heartwarming. Um, I remember there was a phase where this film is played chronically on ITV2. I saw it way before that. I think the minute it came out on VHS. Didn't see it in the cinema, but the minute it came on like VHS, yes guys, we had VHS. Um we that that was a film that I've watched many a times. And it's it's about this unassuming bookkeeper, book, book um store owner who happens to have Hollywood's biggest star walk into his shop and the chemistry just builds from there. And no matter what, they just seem to be building and while 
he's trying to figure out how to live her life. She's trying to show that all the glitz and glam in the world is cute, but it would be nice to just have the simple life. And it, in that, is he just being used because she wants a simple life? Is he trying to use her to make a quick buck? Bit of distrust, bit of love. And can I also say Reese Evans is one of the most underrated stars. Like, the guy was just pure gold in this film. The lines he came out with, the movement and everything. Um, um, one, I got the quote. <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of the lines that I always, and this is just quoting the, the, the trailer. I always go for trailer quotes for, to not spoil the, the magic you'll get from a film. Oh God, I've just opened Pandora's box. I went to school with a girl called Pandora. Never saw her box though. <laughs> And that's him throughout the film. It's just the, the, in this weird love story that's going on. When you get so involved in it, you just get this weird bit of quirkiness. Just jump into like when you're getting it earlier. Was it here or somewhere else? We no, it was in um, Silver Screen News. Go check that out, guys. You were talking about that thin line between drama and comedy. When you are getting all emotional and into it, boom! In he pops, and there comes the comedy right back. And it's wonderful, amazing writing. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I love me a bit of Notting Hill. Not much to add, you paid it nice respect there. The thing I'll add that actually makes me quite sad, did you know that the bookstore where they filmed this has just been teared down? No! Yeah. Because it was meant to be like a tourist spot. I'm like, Yep, they've torn it down on Portobello Road, it's gone. It Why is. in the hell they didn't preserve that yeah, uh, you know, as a place of a blue uh, black, literally, like not yeah, blue black, black, historical, yeah. historical and artistic significance. Why that wasn't given that beyond me, but it's gone. And what makes me even more upset with that is I've kind of taken it upon myself to take pictures of certain things that we appreciate. There's another thing I took for granted. I said I'll go there one day. Didn't go there. I tried to avoid what a better road market. To be honest, I'm yeah. not. One and bustle but I, I did need to take my picture in there and take a walk damn you guys damn you cheers rishi <sighs> don't boo vote yeah yeah <laughs> this oh no, i'm not gonna do it before we get done for endorsements but follow the words of zach saber jr at uprising yes <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. i can say Vote. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Before we get political incitement, like I've been to Argentina. Anyway, we move on. <laughs> Let it go. That one's done. <laughs> that was a glitch in the matrix. Spoiler. Um, that's your number six, then, please. In, oh, my number six. Well, baby, it's time to bring the mojo in. Yeah, yeah I knew you would do this. Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, and again, YouTube. That's the title. I know you tried to do us for kick a. It's the words, all right? It's the name of the film. Oh, dude, we um, got done recently for Lobo being... Lobo was, uh, was demonetized because it had shocking content. I'm like, what? Where? Where? Now? Just behave. Stop it. Anyway, we're not here to bash the P. The Listen, on that ranking video I'm doing, by the way, stay tuned to that in the coming days, where, where I rank all 56 movies I saw in 2023. Not too long a video, monster edit. The first one is mm -mm, bear. Bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Say the word. 
No, 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 no. I thought about this. I'm not giving YouTube the chance to do me dirty. I didn't say the full title. I said the marching powder bear. And I blurred, <laughs> and I, and, and I blurred the name of the title so they can't even do me like that. I'm like, there's no way YouTube are going to demonetize a video which I have spent that long making. I'm like, no, I am not even leaving this to chance. The bear with the swinging jaw. You get me? The grindy tooth bear. And... Yeah. No, so... YouTube, YouTube demonetization is a real pain in the Right. Back to Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, this this is it. Let, let's let's that's not what we're here about. We are on this platform, so we don't pick the platform. We're all about yeah, baby. Yeah, I love YouTube. It's shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. But we're a couple of weeks away from a silver black. Anyway, 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 are anyway. We? Can't be too far. 100,000. I thought it was 10,000. Oh, you'd be so lucky. Oh, okay. Anyway, we move back on. <laughs> we, we, we get back into the realm of reality, baby. Yeah. Um, the Spy Who Shagged Me. Now, one of the things that Aust Austin Powers is the greatest spoof you could ask for in the world of James Bond. Like, it, it just delivers on all levels. And they up the ante by bringing in the dearly departed Vern Troyer, a.k.a. Mini-Me. That character was absolute madness. Absolute pure comedy. And it, it, it you can't help but just love what came into it. it it's, it's Austin Powers amped. It, it just brings in all the madness that you love from the first film, International Man of Mystery, and just gives you so much more. I just remember having so much laughs. And one of the things that Austin Powers holds quite near and dear to me now having rewatched it with my nephew, um, like him being a 16 year old. And I've tried to introduce him to certain films. I remember the Jim Carrey stuff just didn't land. The Austin Powers trilogy, that worked. And yeah, we had great fun with these. So yeah, Austin Powers had to make the cut. It really is one of the all time great, great comedies from, as you mentioned, Vern Troyer as mini me to, to fat, what's his face? Cause I probably can't say his second name. Uh, to Felicity Shagwell, like the characters are just brilliant. The set pieces are fantastic. I've had bigger chunks of corn in my crowd. Hey, looks kind of small. He like a baby. Come here, I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. <laughs> so good. Baby, 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 baby. <laughs> I want my chili, baby, baby. So good. Or that scene where he loses his mojo. Um, I've lost my mojo. <laughs> no, I just before that where they're playing chess and stuff. Do you know how we stay warm in Russia, Mr. Pars? <laughs> I can guess, baby. We play chess. I guessed wrong. <laughs> you know what I've actually forgot as well? The opening when he's coming out of the hotel room, that whole journey where he's starkers. And they've got all the play the things to cover him up. It's, it's genius. It's absolute genius. And just at the moment where you think they're going to show his knob, the baby comes up. <laughs> it's it's brilliant. Or, but it's, it's it's the little things you couldn't get away with now. Like when he's going up to the various, you know, it's like a black man and Asian, and uh, you know, what's it walk into a bar? It's literally that come alive. Like yeah. The part where he goes up to the two rabbis, and oh, yeah, that's rabbi, and there's like a long like 
a brisket steak and they just cut the end off. It's like you couldn't get away with that now. No, you can't. You can't. It, it's you can't. just brilliant. It was like a modern day carry on type level of humor, wasn't it? It's the sort of cheeky. Easy with that praise, but yes. No, but in the same the same way that they were very creative with the wordplay, they were creative with the visuals in Austin Powers, you know? That, okay. It, 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 well yeah. played. Well yeah, played. I knew what I'm talking about. All right. Yeah. It's, it's the way they just played it. Oh, my God. I can't remember if it's the right film. That looks like a big, and they just played it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that little work, that montage of, of how many phallic euphemisms can we fit into the scene? Very good. Very, very good. Uh, so that was your number six, yeah? Indeed it was, yes. All right. Well, my seven, it's a favorite here at the Silver Screen Dudes. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. One of Guy Ritchie's best. Yeah, it's a 1999 movie, bro. That didn't even come up on any of the lists I saw. I know. And it had to be. Yeah. It was just a little thing I had in my mind because my godmother, believe it or not, actually enabled some of the budgeting for this movie to be made when Guy Ritchie and Vince Vaughn went broke. They never credited her, so they kind of stayed public enemy number one. But um, in her eyes, I still think the movie's fantastic. And it really is, even after like nearly 30 years, I mean, just over 20, to be fair, I'm exaggerating. But even, even after all this time, it's still one of his best. It's, yeah. you know, it's, does it reach the heights of Snatch? No. Some say it does it. I don't. Some, but some say do. it does, but it Snatch is, I think, the, the, the more accomplished movie. But Lockstock is a stroke of genius. Four guys coming together to do an unwitting heist. And yeah, all the different parties involved and the poker, the poker game that goes wrong and then being in debt. It's just genius. The characters... Again, just like Kevin Smith, we were talking about larger-than-life caricatures, Harry the Atchet, Barry the Baptist, the two idiot scousers. There's that one line, I can't say it because it's full of swear words, but it makes me laugh so much. What's the black gangster called again, the name of the character in the film? Is it Reggie? Oh, God. Afro guy. They yeah, even I joke about, about it. He looks like a cute teddy bear with an afro, but don't mess with him. Um, <laughs> it's when he calls Nick the Greek into his office. Get Nick Rory, Rory Breaker. Rory Breaker, thank you. Get Nick the Bubble in here. The fat, dirty, greasy, shiatsu wearing, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then he comes in and he's like, I don't find this funny, Nick. Is this some white joke that black just don't get? Huh? Don't owe me, Greek boy. Where's my money? <laughs> don't owe me, Greek boy. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like one of those scourge lines from Thor Ragnarok. Behold, my stuff. I don't know what it is. The delivery of that line floors me. Don't owe me, Greek boy. <laughs> yes, I'm here for that. Oh, dude, I adore this film. And the weed scene, oh, it's so good. Who's that? He's shooting me. Who's shooting you, Plank? No one's here. Ah, he shot me again. I don't bloody believe this. Could everyone stop getting shot, please? (laughs) I can literally play that movie out in my head. It's so funny. And, of course, the career first for Vinnie Jones and Jason Statham, right? Yes. So good. 
Yeah. So yeah. good. And Sting like you've never seen him before. Like, I actually rate Sting in this film. The singer Sting is surprisingly threatening in this film. It's true. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. That was my number seven. My number six is definitely not a punt, although both Den and I are saying you need to get past this now and get on board with this. The movie, AJ, is bigger, longer, and uncut. I'm talking South Park, baby. So here's the thing. Would I be opposed to watching it now? Probably not. I mean, bear in mind, pre oh, it's needed the last, now. The, the, the last meetup, I was watching the Pandaverse. Like, I didn't hate it. I, I had no qualm with it. You've got more chance of catching me on a South Park tip than you ever will on a Jackass tip. Like, I, I, I can see myself getting into South Park. I'm not going to get down the other lane. So, <laughs> <laughs> the poor Jackass guys. Um, dudes. Especially now, where we've so many people have lost their ability to just laugh at something because it's taboo, or the ability to not take themselves too seriously, or the ability to laugh at something because they know they shouldn't, taboo, I guess. Um, and everyone's become so stiff and snowflake, and Ew, you can't say that. Now, more than ever, South Park is needed in the world to keep the scales balanced because. In some cases, it says outlandish things. And some people, it's just saying what we're all thinking. No, it's not. <laughs> if y'all are thinking what South Park are thinking, you're twisted. <laughs> there are some things it says where it's like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. But there's a lot of the things it says where it's giving an extreme opinion of something that you do probably feel. But it's extreme. And what they did, how how do you make a movie out of a, a car, a basic, at the time, basic animation cartoon show, which made notoriety from being 20-minute runtime? How do you turn that into an hour and a half? Well, it's very easy. You bring in a story about censorship, about the uh, suppression of freedom of speech, throw Saddam Hussein and the devil having a gay love relationship in it and coming back to conquer Earth. Uh Kenny going down to hell to try and stop them, Cartman being zapped with a brain chip so he can't swear anymore, and some and all this because of a of a, a comedy movie getting meta here, a comedy movie called Terence and Philip Asses of Fire, which was censored just the same way that they tried to censor South Park Big Along or an Uncut. It knew what it was gonna happen before it even released, and it became ultimate narrative meta. And the fact that this movie got tried to be banned in so many countries it's like watch us because if you do that you are literally proving what this movie to be saying um so they kind of worked themselves into a position where they couldn't be censored <laughs> like you couldn't censor this movie because then you were playing into their hands the genius of thinking of that like if we write enough swear words in here we're gonna get canned right oh yeah but what if we make the movie about the canning of swear words and the freedom of speech suppression? Oh, that's good. Do that. Then they can't mess with us. <laughs> it's, it's genius. Fair play. I wish I could add, but I'm not, I've not seen it. So. You're number five. My number five. This is a film I've not seen in a while, but I've always had a lot of love for. I think it came up. I recall bringing it up in early Silver Screen Dudes. Mel Gibson. Oh. Payback. Still not seen it. Still not seen it. Which is fine. Which is fine. It's it, it's a film that I've always just fell in love with. So he's 
a guy on the wrong side of the tracks, and him, his wife, and his partner. I can't remember if there's any, I think it's just the, the two of them. There might have been someone else. But essentially, they've performed a successful bank robbery, and they leave him for dead. They, mm. they turn back on him and leave him for dead. And he's out for payback. And all he wants is his share. Like, let's say it's like 50 mil or something. Let's go for the traditional Dr. Evil. One million dollars. Let's say they've got that. I can't remember <laughs> what it is. But they've done that. And they're like, I'll give you the mill. He's like, I just want my third. I don't care about the rest. And that's his whole like premise behind it. But he goes on this mad tangent. You know, it's 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 the madness you expect from Mel Gibson. You know, that comedic madness that he brings when he does his stuff. It kind of like Lethal Weapon, where he goes into these extreme mm. levels of violence and stuff like that. But I've always just like from the minute I saw the film, I've loved the film. It's been a while since I've seen it, so I'm a bit sketchy on it. But I just remember he's just a guy who's out for him. But he's a bit it's not he's not John Wick level of mad and bad, do you know what I mean? But you know that now he's back, you're in trouble. And he's on a rampage to do his bit. It's not Man on Fire, it's not John Wick, it's it's, it's toned down from those two. And it's more comedic, but it's a great time. And Lucy Liu's in it as well. I can't remember who's. I think Rene Russo plays his wife. I get off the top of my head. I'm going to say it's her. That but, sounds uh, right, just from my memory of the trailer. Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking, was that in Ransom? And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But either way, it was all kinds of awesome. I always just remember having a great laugh with it, and just being like, yeah, this is a good film. So I had to show some love to it for 1999. All right, and that was your number. That was your my five, number yeah? five. Yeah. All right. what a my number my number five, you mentioned off air before that you had to leave it off because of continental differences. Uh my number five, arguably the perfect sequel, Toy Story 2. Has to be. Yes, 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 yes. That was that was painful for me because I I was going down the route of some films and saw it, and then this one came. So then I thought, if I, if it doesn't apply to this film, I have to fact check all my films, and I realised it was a two thousand release for us. And I was like, damn, damn, because right now I'd be saying punt otherwise. But yes, your film, your t- your speech. I very very much love how opposing this is to the first movie. When you think about the scope of Toy Story One, which is you know a character with having an identity crisis, right? They kind of flip the role onto Woody and give him the exact same problem. Like in the first movie, Buzz doesn't know he's a toy, right? In this one, Woody doesn't know that he's a famous toy. So we're still very much playing with this crisis of confidence, this having this identity crisis, a bit of imposter syndrome. And it leaves Woody in a place where he's like, well, do I leave the people that I love? Or this new family that I found who actually need me. And based on the acts of the first movie, there's a debate to be made that his previous family didn't need him. Andy included because they found Buzz, right? That's an undertone going on through this movie. So does he forsake that and go for this new family who openly need him, right? Especially when he's told that traumatic story about Jesse being abandoned really makes him reevaluate. Well, the same could happen yeah. to me. It's a superb, superb character study. To say this is done in an animation still baffles me, but it's a character study into identity crisis, and it's a, a deep, deep dive into themes of family. 
it's it's a masterpiece. I don't think there's any other way of saying it. Like it is a masterpiece. And I, I disagree. catch me on any different day, dude. On the right day, I would make an argument for this being the best Toy Story movie. As, as has always been the argument, you know. Um, one thing for sure, this, it would never be number pretty four. perfect. You know, that, that's the only argument is four will never be down as the best. But yeah, the other, yeah, yeah the, the others. Funny though, I'm very hopeful for five. It's weird. Well, it was like they should have stopped at three. Five gives me a bit should of hope. I don't know three. why. Should have stopped at three. Should have. I, I still maintain that. But there's something about five that just says, huh. Hmm. I think they're going to write the ship, but that's not what we're here for today. Um, Toy Story the curve, right? They're still never going to be able to achieve the heights of that ending. No, how can you? Not well, doable. I don't, I don't know if the emotional heartstrings of being that are rumored to be there are the case. It could be. It could be quite emotional. Yeah, but the emotional heartstrings in Toy Story three were were based on the people who watch part three having grown up from part one and two, just the way that Andy did. It was directly targeted at our age demographic, yeah. which is why I've said repeatedly, like, for my daughter, I'll show her part one and part two, then wait till she's 18 and break her heart. Yeah. Like, it's, the only way. it's the only way. It is legit the only way to do it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I have high hopes, but no, not much more to add. Two is just wonderful. And again, in a world of where sequels can be a bit doubtful, this was a good one. This one you have no doubt on. It's 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 up there with Empire Strikes Back. I know it's crazy to say that, but it's up there with Empire Strikes Back as kind of a perfect sequel. It really, really is. Your number four. My number four, a film I kept hearing about and didn't expect to like it. And yeah, it done amazing things. I am talking about the mummy. No, I like that. Yeah, I I remember hearing about it, and I'm not gonna lie. You talk to me about monster movies. I'm not talking Godzilla and Kong. I'm talking the other form of monsters. You, it's very hard to sell me on anything that's not vampire. I think I'll do vampire, werewolf, and then the rest. I feel are a bit out there. You know how I feel about zombies, even though there are some very good ones out there. The mummy, especially with the way mummies were previously portrayed. It was literally the person wrapped up in bandages. And I was like, oh, God, what are we going to do? And Brendan Fraser, for all the love I have for the guy, was very much just a comedic actor. You know, he was California Man and stuff like that. George of the Jungle. These are the films. In the past, George of the Jungle. He wasn't that guy. Yeah, he just was not that guy. Like, don't get me wrong. He had the rocking hot bun, but it, that was it. There was not much more. It was all brought. He was the definition of bronze and no brains. You know, that yeah. is very much who he was. Then comes along this film and you're like, the mummy. And it was, oh, the mummy's amazing. The mummy's amazing. I was like, whatever. I, I just didn't want to buy into it. God's honest truth. I was like, I'll catch it when I catch it. Wow. What a film. What a film. It spun every expectation I had of anything to do with mummies, you know. I was literally expecting to see someone wrapped in bandages or toilet paper walking like a zombie. Hell, Hell no. Hell no. Nothing like that. It had no. the, the, the portrayal of that and uh, the whole story. I was like, this is amazing. Uh, wrong, wrong. wrong. N. Sabanor is, uh, yeah, no, N. Sabanor is Apocalypse, bro. What was her name? Anaxuramun. That's the one, thank you. 
<laughs> thank you thank you very much but like it was just i was like this is this is this is awesome i and they it was a good sequel third film i was not so much into but they, they were film, rubbish it was a law of diminishing returns this franchise yeah yeah yeah, yeah. A bit like Pirates of the caribbean but the first film again unexpected success and that's what breeds uh, a generation of stuff and you know what had this not been out people may have this is possible sin to say might have given tom cruise a second chance but i think we all went in with high expectation because it's like the remake oh my god they're remaking the mummy what brendan fraser done and they just couldn't meet that expectation which is ironic because the mummy is a remake yeah but this is what i'm saying but the the original mummies were like the throwaway stuff that i previously mentioned then they do this mummy which is amazing then people are expecting that again couldn't hit that target and to say that brendan fraser outdone tom cruise says a lot but it was what crazy isn't it crazy absolutely mad but real do you know what they balanced so well they managed to get a kind of swash but it was i would say a swashbuckling adventure but also scary in parts like i remember like bro as an adult you know it's not going to bother me the way that james wan's conjuring universe does it's not going to register it's not going to martyr me but i tell you what what was this? 99. So I would have been 12. It put some chills in me, dude. I... It, it had it creates a tension where it needed to. And this is what I respect about it. Yes, it has its comedic moments. It has its swashbuckling moments. And it has its chills. You, you knew the mummy was not to be messed with. You're like, you could feel the tension. Mm-hmm. You could feel the tension in the room. And I, I respect also, that. Carnivorous beetles? That's not fair. No. <laughs> No, it's not. It that, not. That's just nature cheating. Because <laughs> you know they're real, those things, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, I, I, that's I cheating. Like, that's not allowed. It's yeah. like, what next? Carnivorous fungus. It's like, no, no. Now you're really cheating. <laughs> Someone said it's being the fly trap, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, no, it's a punt. This isn't it. Might be your number one. Um, just say the words punt. Fine. Punt. My number four is the Matrix. Punt. Yeah, we're punting. We're punting. Hold on, hold on. Your number four. Yeah, yeah, it's a punt. Yep. So your number three. The Matrix. My number three was the other punt from earlier. You always remember your oh. first. American Pie. Yeah. Listen, the same way we talk about um, Toy Story being a defining moment, American Pie was very much that as well. They came, Toy Story was our childhood. American Pie was our teens. We were just a bit younger than the guys, but we went through the same beats as the guys. By the time you watched it, you you were either waiting to get there or live in it. That's just the way it was, you know? Um, yeah, we just as again just a bit behind, like for better or worse, you're you're married now, like it, it we, it's there, but you just oh, know. I could watch American Reunion now and be able to relate to it a lot. Yeah, but this is what it was, and this is the first journey. You're just talking about a bunch of high school guys, and I remember going to this film with Yash. Um, yeah, we got screwed the first time because my sister wasn't allowed to go, something like that. We ended up watching another film, Bowfinger, which yeah, oh. I wonder if that would have, well, actually would have qualified. But um, yeah, 
but actually getting a chance to go back and watch this film and how we were able to affiliate each character to someone at school. I can't remember who was who and stuff like that, but it was there. Uh, yeah. For, for, for all intents and what I was doing. You made me finch for some reason, which in hindsight... No, you weren't. This is what I was about to say. You weren't. Shad, believe it or not, was finch. Because I think they were both studying Latin and shit. It was just weird. <laughs> for as tight as we were, that's who we made finch. Um, he had the smoking hot sister, not mom. Anyway, I shouldn't have said that on camera. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, coincidentally, her name was Nadia. That made me... <laughs> Does that make me stiffler considering some of the other jokes that were going around? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, own it. <laughs> own it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, but it was that, and it's that first journey. And no, while we can relate to all of it, not any of us have ever taken it to do anything to an apple pie. That's just the way us Brits are with our stiff upper chins, <laughs> upper lips and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's just a journey that you Bro, have to relate to. And the Ameri we make the Americans look British. I don't want to say this. The Americans are not exactly what you would call sexually liberated as a nation. True, true. Right, like, uh, the Americans that. make the Brits look like the French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that as Sorry. well. Like, I've never been to a country where uh, you think we're stiff, upper-lipped and all that. Trust <laughs> me, bro. That's one thing the Americans took from us pre-revolution. That's 300 years of stiff upper-lipness and deep, deep-rooted church going, combining to make a wonderful... <laughs> combining to make a wonderful Melly Miller of prudeness. Trust me. When we unload... We don't unload guns. That's why they're so gun crazy. Those those men aren't doing the dirty deed. You know what I mean? It's like we need to we need to empty our load. It's like not that load, you dummies. It's a British colloquialism. <laughs> Back to American Pie. None of us have ever. I thought I was quite on point there, to be honest. <laughs> Listen, I, I I I laugh because you know they say you laugh because it's true, but. <laughs> Yeah, we've never done anything to any bakery items. Well, not the people I've messed with anyway. I know there's a game of Soggy Biscuit. I've never known anyone to play it. Uh, no. Right. But, um, Soggy yeah. God, that's a throwback. Jesus. Anyway. But apart from that kind of madness and some of the outlandishness that just doesn't happen, it's a <laughs> journey that is part of your lifestyle. It's a journey of boyhood, brotherhood, you know? And it, I can't, I can't just dismiss American Pie as like mm, just any old comedy because it, it's, it's no. a journey. It's a journey that you follow. It's our generation's porkies. Yeah. Four guys, yeah. we're all virgins, can't get laid, and they make a pact to get laid by or on prom. Yeah. All right. Ensue weird and wonderful <laughs> penis comedy. The penis got them, AJ. There you go. Twenty twenty four. There you go. There you go. But absolute gold. Love it. It is very good. Um, right, so that was your three. My three. Man, I can't believe how good a year 1999 was. Like, my top three are just, like, all-timers. Um, it's insane. But, yeah, number three. Ooh. Fight Club. What an all-time bangerang of a film. 
Do you know this was the one I was tempted to, but I felt it, it felt like a disservice to put it low, and the other films were where they were, and I, I, it was non-negotiable for them to be high, and I, I was like, mm, I'll have to leave it. It is actually a 99 UK. That's the sad bit. But just, Oh, sweet. Oh, you should have put it on then, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, I should have. I should have. I just didn't know where. Now, nah, Fight Club's an all-timer. That needs to be on there. Has to be on there. Um, you want to talk twists. Like, the way I felt about this twist is how I imagine I might have felt with your Sixth Sense entry. Do you know the sad thing? I got done with this as well. <gasps> People done me dirty on this as well. Did you get done with the usual suspects? I think you had thought I'd seen it by the time you'd done a review. <laughs> so, Sixth Sense, Fight Club, Empire Strikes Back, and Usual Suspects, bro. I just think that at this point you need to call a career on doing anything with spoilers. It's just. <laughs> Movies with big twists, not for AJ. Stick to, but, stick to biopics. In a way, in There's a no way. Twist. <laughs> There's no twist there. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've lost it. Damn. I've lost it on so many. It's, it's, it's painful. The big ones. The big ones. Those, yeah. Like, yeah. My, my, my biggest plot twist and shock is Infinity War. <laughs> like, that's it. All the others, I'm like, I knew that was coming. Oh, bro, Jesus Christ! Yeah, man, this this is one. Of the, I didn't see this coming at all. I think I was, I didn't see this in '99. I saw this quite a few years after. I think probably around 2002 or 2003. Very, but listen, I wouldn't have been able to see this in '99 anyway. This is was oh, no, 15 no, no. or an 18. But yeah, saw this when I was a bit older. And obviously, I didn't have the analytical movie mind that you and me have now because we've seen so many freaking movies, right? So it was still very fresh for me then. What I was very much at the beginning of I need to watch movies journey then. Um, and this twist knocked me for two, mate. It was like, sorry, he's just picked up the phone to Marlon. Wait, what did you call me? What, what are you playing games? Tyler Durden, Tyler Durden, Tyler Durden. What? <laughs> it's a, it's a, what? <laughs> I want a finkle, finkle, and iPhone. There's a twist. Um, you got one. Uh, <laughs> I think you're gonna one. tell me that one's ruined too now. Yash told me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a fresh one. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Like, it's mad, isn't it? Because, in a way, the movie is completely nonsensical. Like, when you break it down, it doesn't make much sense at all. So, he starts an underground fight club. And that somehow turns into an anarchy group, which he's got no control over and yet has total control over. And he's recruiting from his fight club for, and he's having this on again, off again, fling with this head case called Marla. And somehow it all just comes together at the end. But break it down. The narrative doesn't make sense in this movie, but you kind of don't care because it's amazing. Yeah, but the Fight Club in itself, the actual essence of it is the throwaway line from Liar Liar. I'm kicking my to your mind. Like Literally. that's what started the whole thing. You're watching a man legit punch himself up. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I'm gonna follow him. What does that say? <laughs> you see that in the street, you change side of the road. You know what I mean? Like 
you go in the opposite direction. You don't be like, let me touch you and follow you. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't work. But yeah, it does. Yeah. And yeah, it does. Brad Pitt, sensational in this. Edward Norton, amazing. Freaking meatloaf was good in this, man. Like, who knew? Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, An incredible film. Incredible film. Your number two. My number two is The Other Punt. Yeah. The Matrix. Very, very nearly my number one until I saw my number one was released in 1999 in the UK. And probably in the States as well. But The Matrix is the biggest revolutionary film that went nowhere, if you would, which is sad. Like, bullet time became a thing. It it, it sweeped the nation, and then it and vanished. Then, and then Scary came. Movie did it, and it became not cool. Yeah, and, and then The Matrix done it again to make it not cool, because everything from two onwards, again, Lord Diminishing Returns, every time they done it, they got so bad, they even brought up crap candy, man. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> That's twice. Yeah, yeah, in 2024, I pulled you out. But yeah, 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 it... you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I, I have high expectations for the guy. He's just not delivering right now. But um, yeah, it's it it was just not something we expected. I remember, look, I could go over the story time and time again, how much I meant to my dad. So much so that normally with never TV before school, he went, he brought it in and showed us the lobby scene and was like, yeah, we're going to watch the rest of this film when we come back, knowing what this is all about. You know, it just looked like some mad steampunk movie. You're seeing all these people in, like, the ultimate S&M costumes, all this black leather. It looked like a wannabe blade. You're like, okay, who's this? Completely. What are they trying to do? Completely. And it was just... Keanu has a lot to be thankful for in this film. Dare I say the soldiers of Lawrence Fishburne. Like, it... Keanu more than anything, because I think we had speed, we didn't have much else. We had Point know? Break, which I maintain is terrible. But this is what I'm going to say. Like, I've still not done the Point Break thing. I know there are people out there. Like, yeah, Point Break, man. But like everyone it. else, everyone else, like I, I, I've heard both sides of it. But that was it. Where was Keanu? Be- I mean, Point Break was just after Speed. Let's call it 96 for arguments. Where was Bill he? And, for Bill and Ted. <laughs> well, this is what I'm saying. Excellent. Like that was it. He was wasn't that Wayne's World? Excellent was Wayne's World, but the air guitar was that I'm sure they said excellent as well. Okay. I can't remember what they said actually. Excellent. Yeah. But the air guitar is definitely a Bill and Ted thing. That and it actually you'd hear the guitar each time they air guitared. Um but yeah, there was nothing for him. And this film came along. And again, I he, he was gun-toting in speed. I've not seen Point Break to say what he can do. No. I know Kung Fu. By the no. time he said, I know Kung Fu in The Matrix, and it became something else, you know, it just, that, that was it. it. We were like, Keanu That's can it. do bits. This yeah. is something. And then you're like, he's done his own stunts. You watch the making of The Matrix. The Matrix was everything. The Matrix was everything from 1999 to 2000. Yeah. And for that, it nearly was my, you know, we saw. You wouldn't mess with Keanu, would you? That's no, all the training that guy's been through. Jesus Christ. And, and this is the thing. At first, everyone was like, oh, he's doing these bits. And you, you see the making of the film. You're like, he actually knows this stuff. He does this. Yeah. By the time John Wick's come about, everyone's like, yeah, greatest action movie star of all time. That was not a bit of conversation when Speed was released. No. Yeah, we're like, we laugh about it because, yes, it still should be Arnie. But it's because the guy's are legit piece of some work. 
yeah. And the Matrix yeah. has a lot for him to be to be fact. I don't even think he would be John Wick had it not been for the Matrix. I would completely agree with that, but I think John Wick has vastly overtaken the Matrix. It has, and rightfully so, because where John Wick gets better and better, the Matrix has done the reverse. Yeah, uh, you know, for that. But this mad movie that I feel should still be seen, but I don't know if it will ever hit it. It's like a Terminator Two. Matrix should have been Terminator 3, and then we would have had a perfect world, but mm. it never became that. Um, that's all it was because that should have been it one, two, three, and done. But you know, yeah. in the same kind of vein for different me, listen, it's listen, dude. It, it's gonna be one not to be too indulgent, but it, the Matrix is always gonna be now spoken about because it's been damaged so bad as a franchise. I don't think it's ever gonna be hailed as a great franchise or a great IP anymore. Too much damage has been done. However, there will always be corners of the internet and at schools which will talk exclusively about the first one. And I don't think it'll talk about it in the sense that it changed cinema. Because now, actually, when you look back, it kind of didn't. You yeah. were talk it didn't. You were talking about the bullet time thing before. It was a huge cultural phenomenon, huge. But it didn't, as you said, lead anywhere. You know, it's not like Jurassic Park, which did change cinema, or Avatar, which did change cinema, you know, where they brought in new tech and new ideas and new technology, which are now being used everywhere. Lord of the Rings, which changed cinema. Um, Matrix made a lot of noise in cinema. I don't think you can say the Matrix changed cinema because it, it, you know, Bullet Time, it well, came up with a very unique effect. What did it do after that? Bullet Time didn't popularize yeah it popularized pop culture but it didn't popularize the medium of film Cinema. yeah it didn't so no, you're right but i think it's one that needs to be looked back and explored through a lens of study not through necessarily a lens of entertainment because realistically the franchise is like one in four is a good movie there are scenes in the second one which are good but not the whole movie yeah 100% agree uh, yeah so that was your number two yeah yeah I'm very happy with my number two because I can now talk about this man again, American Beauty. Can I be honest? Uh, tell me. This was on the list. I don't care what I how I feel about the guy. This is a good film. A good film. Modern day masterpiece. That's twice in one episode I've dropped the M word, but I stand by it. This is something that Again, didn't change cinema, but is going to be studied so repeatedly because you can see the influences of the likes of David Lynch, you know, with things like Blue Velvet depicting the white picket fence Americana perfect suburban town and the way that it's got a dark underbelly to it. You can see the Blue Velvet influences permeating this movie. But what it does that's so powerful is that it creates a an intergenerational drama that has got so much to say about society it's got so much to say about people and character interactions and it's ultimately just an infinitely relatable topic because we've all got messed up families that's literally what family is right it's being messed up and putting up with each other's bs and they're just shining a light here on a particular family who are very messed up a father who's lost his confidence, who's fallen out of touch with who he used to be, who's 
kind of going through a midlife crisis, a wife who's feeling unsupported and takes that out on her husband with emotional violence and a daughter who hates who her two parents are. Jesus, I hope Leia never thinks that way about me. But, you know, ultimately, we're not cool in our kids' eyes and there's nothing they can do that makes us cool in our kids' eyes. Oh, I'm working on that. But, you know, um, it's an incredible, incredible film. Yeah, no, I, I, I do actually, to be honest, I remember watching it on the plane back from Florida. And it's a one-time watch, but lasting impression. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's a very, very, very good film. I, I can't call it Masterpiece just yet without having rewatched it, I'll say that. But it's one of those one-watch impression, one-watch lasting impression films for me, that I will say. Like Forrest Gump, and I can't remember another film that's like that. It's crazy that you've only seen Forrest Gump once. That's still I've crazy. seen clips of Forrest Gump all over the place, but no, yeah, but it's still crazy that you've only sat yeah. through it once, beginning to end. That's mad to me. Yeah, I know. Right, I totally agree. Uh, okay, so you said you didn't have a worst, right? I don't have a worst, unfortunately. My worst, so, very easy. Wild Wild West. Do you know what? I was tempted to, but. It, the, the guilty pleasure in me didn't want to do I know, it. I know. The moment that I put it on, I was like, he's, he's going to mildly it? defend this. Um, and I get it. Look, being completely honest, um, when I first saw Wild Wild West, again, 1999, I was a kid. It was Will Smith as he was becoming the cool Will Smith. I thought cowboys were still quite cool back then. They're not. Um, I thought steampunk was cool. It's not. Um, I thought mixing the two of them together was a nice idea. It looked like a fun comedy because I'm a child. I would pretty much laugh at anything that involved a fart noise because I was like 11. Um, but yeah, they, they tried to do swashbuckling with cowboys and it was like for an 11 or 12 year old. Yeah, it was successful. But much the same way that, you know, where, like when people get cancelled because of tweets they put out 20 years ago, it's like you can't evaluate someone with a modern lens for things they said 20 years ago. Much the same way I can't hate myself for liking a movie I liked when I was a kid, but I can certainly look at that same movie now as an adult and go, oh, oh, <laughs> this isn't good, is it? Huh? I could watch it now and be like, oh, my days. I could watch it again. I'd be interested to see how you react. But it's like, <sighs> rough. <laughs> like, it's really rough. Yeah, that's my worst. Your okay. number one. I'm curious what it is. My number one, we talked about Fight Club and we talked about Brad Pitt. On the other side, Tyler Durden was played by, well, the one without a name, should I say. Because Tyler Hatton was Brad. The one without a name was Mr. Edward Norton. And I mm. had to bring him back because this is him and Furlong in American History X. Oh, you dirty bastard bringing this up. This is a 98 release in America. I couldn't put it in. Yeah, we got it. Not, ooh, because I think we got it late. I don't think it was a January release. We, we really can be behind sometimes. Um, well, it was October 98 in the States. Yeah, we got it. 26th of March, 99. That's a yeah, gap. So five months behind, which at the time back then, that was normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, two weeks is an argument. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, back then. we. Bro, we look how just... angry they were when we got Paddington two days early. 
I mean, yeah, it is what it is, guys. But um, yeah, this this was a beauty of a film. I I, I could always again go back to school days. I remember hearing Luick being the guy like American American History X is my favorite film, and I was like, you what? American History X? You've not seen American History X? And getting the tape from him and watching that film and just being. I think it's the first time you start doing one of the first times you do serious. Obviously, I could go back to like maybe Private Ryan and whatnot, but you know, you still do your action films, you're talking about Blade, you're talking Rush Hour, you're talking American Pie, da, 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 da. and then you have a drama like this that comes along into your life, and you're like, what the hell? And I always say it you always talk about a villain being someone you can relate to. I have no reasons to relate to Cameron Crowe by any means. Not any means at all. I am the definition of what this guy's going to hate. However, when he talks about that line and says that some not guy... Cameron, can not Cameron Crowe, mate. Cameron Crowe's a filmmaker. Cameron Poe. Cameron Poe. Thank you. I'm, 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 I'm all on the wrong I have no problems with Cameron Crowe. I find out what films he's done. But Cameron Poe, I have problem with. And I, again, do not relate to this guy. But um, what what comes after that is is a situation where we're talking about a book review and they say, oh, someone could quote Malcolm X or Martin Luther King and there's no problem in that, but you write about Hitler's book and you're now the villain. And it, it, it again, am I am I the, the one to promote Mein Kampf? Never. I, again, th- this household that I'm in right now is probably the absolute biggest nightmare that Hitler could have ever dreamed of. However... <laughs> I mean, fact is fact, right? <laughs> but that line still resonated to me that I'm like, point. You know, right is right, wrong is wrong. It's the same way we'll talk about who can play Bond than who can play Black Panther. If you're going to balance it out, you're going to balance it out. You don't have to agree with the the, 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 the the garbage that's in the book, but a person should be entitled to write about it. That's that's the discussion. I, I will not be swayed from that view. You know, I am... It, it, it is what it is. But it, it goes deeper than that. It, it shows how one can be changed. What creates a person to change in the first place? It, it, character arcs. There are so many character arcs in this. It's, it's, it's insane. Bit, yeah. You know, and the emotion. I mean, and... the arc that Derek goes through is mental. It's a double arc. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It, you, you don't see that in something from the... A double arc, also known as going... Full circle. <laughs> well, it's full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it is. Yeah, he's the golden. He's McDowell's right now. He's got two two arcs, not arches. Two arcs. Um, yeah, but it, I don't think he could ever go back to who he originally was. But he, you know, there's a new version of him that you again is it, someone likable and what have you. But who he was in between those two places? Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Put your mouth on the curb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so disturbing, that scene. Do you know there's something about that scene? And I, I don't know about you. It's the sound of the he... teeth on the concrete. But it's that, the I was going to say, you see it. When he says, put your mouth on the concrete, on, on the pavement. I don't know about you. I, I feel it. Each time I grit. It's like my teeth feel it. It's, it the emotion and pain that comes out it, with that scene is, oh, one of the most touching and groundbreaking. Films. It's just but that again. little thing of, you know, that the ivory from your teeth making contact before the head gets kicked in, just that little, 
yeah. when you hear him like trembling because he knows he done messed up yeah. um and it's so unfortunately it's so believable you know he kind of could qualify as a hood movie that scene yeah yeah because it all starts yeah, on a basketball yeah. court like the beef is over literally nothing yeah What's that Cuba Gooding movie? Uh, that, that Lawrence Fishburne and Cuba Gooding movie? Um, you told me to watch. Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood. That's it. I mean, the beef that was started there with the kid getting shot was over the biggest nothing. It's the same level. Yeah. Yeah. Literally yeah. same level. Um. Yeah, man. It's 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 a pfft. Jesus. Let's make it a hat trick. It is a masterpiece. Yeah, um, this one you will never hear me argue. It, for me, I, I, again, like I, I was all over the Matrix. I was like, the minute I knew ninety nine, because I think when we done sci fi of the twenty first century, Matrix just missed. It. I was like, this is a guaranteed number one. Out of nowhere, in Google searches, I saw the words American History X, and I was like, it can't be anything but number one. It can't be. It just it cannot can't be. be. Like, dude, that when we did our this is on podcast only, so apologies for our YouTube watchers. But when we did our top 10 movies of all time, I think it was back in season one or two, this was the only movie that was on both of our lists. Yeah. 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 Says it all. Says it all. Yeah. Okay. I know what your number one is. But <laughs> take it. It wasn't released in 99 in the UK. Otherwise, it would have been on my list. I'll, I'll get, I'll, I just want to let you know that before you said it. I appreciate you for... for stroking my ego. <laughs> look okay it's four this is a masterpiece too obviously because it's my favorite movie of all time the green mile heartbreaking gut-wrenching i know you're gonna say the whole thing about the supernatural side of it bothers you a bit I get it. It's all about how you interpret it. If you interpret it as being literal, it's a bit like, eh. If you interpret it as being allegorical, I think it has more, more mm -hmm. resonance to it. But, man. Story of a man imprisoned for what we think is because he's raped and killed two little girls. And he's died for he, you know, he's a big, large, seven foot giant black man played by the late great Michael Clark Duncan. Rest in peace again. Um he's, the story you hear, as shocking as it is, and then the character you see in front of you, they don't match. What you see in front of you is a gentle giant who's afraid of the dark and who's a bit simple in the head. So you have the whole kind of of mice and men thing going on. Is he a bit That's like awesome. thing of mice and men? Yeah. Is like, is it one of those? Oh, I'm simple and gentle, but because I've got this monster superhuman strength, just like in of mice and men, I've gone and done this horrible act. Because they do find him covered in blood with the two girls, and then you find out later that he was actually trying to help them. Um, but, you know, because he's so simple, when they find him, he's like, I tried to take it back, but it was too late. You know, it's like, okay. So that literally sounds like, hey, I hurt these girls and I tried to make it right, but they were already dead. That can easily be, easily be interpreted that way. And it just follows his life between being brought into the Green Mile and finally 
going into the electric chair and how he affects the people around him on that ward from the gentle people like Paul Edgecombe played by Tom Hanks to Percy, who is one of the most vile prison guard ever put to screen. And then, of course, uh, early appearance from my guy Sam Rockwell, who plays one of the other prison inmates, Steve Villain, uh, Wild Bill, Billy the Kid. Dude, it's just one heartbreak after another, from Edouard Delacroix not having the sponge put on him, to Mr. Jingles at the end, to Michael Clark Duncan, you know, giving a performance of a lifetime. It's just incredible stuff. And every time I watch it, it breaks me. Without fail, it completely freaking breaks me. My favorite film of all time. Yeah. I, I, I look, there's not much to add. And I'm not I'm not here to just always give the soundbite of the one part of the film that kills me. Because I always remember watching um, The Green Mile. And with the industry that I choose to work in outside of this, Hours aren't always your friend. So you, you can be home at one time and then you've got to leave to go and collect your items at like one in the morning and stuff. And I remember the first time watching The Green Mile, I'm watching it and I had to leave for a collection. And it's not like it's the, the, the days now you just pick up your phone and continue watching it on screen, you know, like film four on demand and all that. It's, it didn't yeah. exist. And being livid, like, no, I can't leave now. Like, I, yeah. you know, it, it was so heartbreaking. I was so taken into it. And again, again, you want to talk about the heartbreaks? This was another film that people told me what happens at the end and the whole sponge. Like, I've been done dirty by people. Like, people just don't oh. keep their mouth quiet around me. Um, but, um, yeah, as much as I knew it, this wasn't one where I'm waiting for it. I was taken in by the story. Yeah. And that's when you know you're onto a winner. Where the green mile, you're like, okay, let's get to it. You're just taken in by it. You see the evil prison guards. You see the friendships that's happening between these inmates. You understand why the film is called The Green Mile and all of that. And you're just like, what is going on? You know? And yeah, it is a great film. Absolute. Yeah. All time classic. Green Mile. Yeah, we are. So now it's Rushmore time. Okay. I would, I mean, are we doing this from a UK standpoint or a US standpoint? Well, this is it. It gets messy, doesn't it? Um, I guess the only reason I would say to leave American History X off, not not that it should be off on the basis of the list if we were doing UK releases, but I guess to avoid confusion because there are legitimately more of the top hitters that would be... Mm-hmm released in the US than there would be in the UK, no? Yeah, I could go with that. And look, you do and you've it. got an opportunity in two weeks to put it on again. Come again? There's an opportunity in two weeks for it to go on again. <laughs> yeah. So if we're going to do it, let's do it in, in, in a true box office way and avoid people being like, but I'm sure that was a... Because we could be fact-checked and it could be 98. So, yeah. Um, in another angle, so I, I'm down with that. Okay. What would now, you like to go on then? I can see American Pie, The Matrix, and Analyze This have all been punted. <laughs> they have, haven't they? They have indeed. Um, 
Was there anything else? We can leave the Green Mile off just because I've put it, we've put it on a lot of polls before and it's actually been quite successful. There's a part of me that says, I'll leave it to you to pick. I would be between your two and three. For sure. Um, But equally, ignoring the punting, a which it, uh, it's shit what I'm about to suggest because it doesn't actually include anything from your list then. But I was just looking at that Green Mile, American Beauty, Fight Club, Toy Story 2. One hell of a rush more. Um, but then again... But I'm sure Green Mile is a bit like Shawshank, isn't it? Aren't they, aren't they on the not Matrix does need to go on. It did create crazy waves. The Matrix absolutely has to go on. Yeah. Yeah, the Matrix is it's a no-brainer. That has to be in there. Didn't change cinema, but it was very no. revolutionary at the time. I do okay. want American Beauty in there, you know. I don't have a problem with that. I genuinely do not have a problem with that. American Pie. I don't mean the Safari gets loved twice that way, but... Pick one of them. American Pie or analyze this. Oh, American Pie. Oh, really? Okay, shit. Okay. Listen, listen. the problem we have is as much as I love Analyze This, I can see the battering that would take place at the same time. So, I was tempted to see how it fares, but I wouldn't, I couldn't sacrifice American Pie for Analyze This. Not, not in any lifestyle. Lifetime, even. Hmm. I wonder here's if we one. go on. Here's what the throw that you didn't have the mummy. It's funny you mentioned that. I was kind of thinking either the mummy or, or Toy Story 2. But I worry. How often does Toy Story 2 has probably been in, it's been in great sequels, this, that, and the other. How often do we actually get to throw the mummy in there? No, it's true. Screw it. Let's put the mummy in there for shits and giggles. You said that word a few times, which I'm going to have to edit, just so you know. I apologise. I'll get my mouth <laughs> and check. <laughs> it's all good. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the official movie, Mount Rushmore, our first of season seven of top 10 movies released in 1999 in no particular order is The Matrix. Our second entry is The Mummy. Our third entry is American Beauty. Our final entry into the top 10 movies of 1999. Thank you, Frank Torres, is American Pie. That's quite a hefty list. That is quite a list to deal with, guys. And yeah, 
you know what you have to do now. You have to head on over to X at Movie MT Rushmore, or more importantly, at Movie Polls for you, where you will get to crown the winner of the best film of 1999. Out of this category, I, I have a feeling this will be revisited. I'm I'm struggling to figure out what's going to win and also what's going to come last, because I think last will obviously be a toss-up between American Pie and The Mummy, and win will be The Matrix or American Beauty, but I can't call either one. I mean, look, The Matrix has probably been brought up a few times, but I'm actually... Um, Matrix and American Pie have been brought up a few times. I'm happy to see American Beauty and The Mummy actually on a, on a rush more. For sure. Irrelevant, irrelevant of where they place, I'm very happy to see them in a rush more because they just don't get the love that they deserve. And this is now put them into it. They are now on that silver screen mountainous plane somewhere, <laughs> along with all those other mountains out there. And they've finally been acknowledged. So for that, I'm happy. And that is it from another week of Top 10 Movie Countdowns. Bit of a longer episode than we were planning, but that's fine. We're getting back into the swing of it. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, Thank you so much for staying with us for the whole. Uh, This will be back on podcast now. We are returning to podcast in season seven. Now, slacks a bit at the end, but you should see that all of the episodes that were not uploaded weekly are actually available now. So enjoy if you're listening on pod and if you're watching on YouTube. Help us get to that 10,000, guys, because we're nearly there. Uh, So please do like the video, share the video with anyone who you think may be interested, and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for another Top 10, and that will be the Top 10 one-on-one fights. My name's Nico Liro. I'm the one AJNC Jordan. See you next week, guys. Bye for now. See ya.